Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. And I'm Fat Hate. And this week we continue the Mission Impossible franchise with Mission Impossible 3, which was released in 2006. This is the J.J. Abrams version of Mission Impossible. And now I feel ancient. <laughs> this is the first one that I didn't see in the theater, I think, just because I didn't care for the second one. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I never was... a I'd seen a few episodes, and it's not that I didn't like it, I just never got into Alias, so that would be the only reason you'd really know J.J. Abrams at this point, I think, unless you liked Velocity, Lost. maybe. Lost? Did Lost come out in 2006? Lost came out in 2004. Oh, damn it. Okay. Well, I take that back. Lost is another show I never watched, but that's because I was in grad school and didn't have TV. Well, Lost would have been in its second or third season, so it would have been still mm. good at this point. Hmm. <laughs> Adding that to my list of, you know, you have your movies pre-1980 list of things you haven't seen, and I pretty much have all these shows from the 21st century that I never got around to watching. So. Right, yeah, that, that's where, <laughs> it's where the, the our um, entertainment experiences yes. reverse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I did not see this in the theater. I was not really into the mission impossible franchise yet mm -hmm. at this point um i knew of it but i didn't i think i saw the first one not long after this one came out okay uh the first one that i saw in the theater would have been um rogue nation i think ah so that's the fifth one yes yeah for some reason in my head, I get that one and Ghost Protocol mixed up just because mm. they stopped using numbers, which I think, I think that was Tom Cruise's thing, right? He, he didn't like the numbers. And, yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. I uh, suspect that almost everything is Tom Cruise's thing with these yeah. movies. I yes. Mean... <laughs> He's the reason they make them. Yeah. Well, that and they make a lot of money. But Yes, but he's the reason they make a lot of money. Yes, true. <laughs> uh, I actually did go ahead and, and you know, we... We've had some snafus, and we're a little behind in recording this episode. But uh, I did go <laughs> ahead. I did go ahead and watch the, the watch Ghost Protocol because that's one I hadn't seen in a long time, and uh, I'd forgotten how entertainingly dumb that movie is. <laughs> uh, well, I haven't cheated and have not yet watched ah, Ghost Protocol. Okay. It's it's a good I movie. I have I have you know integrity. Mm. When did you last watch this this movie? I'll cut that out. Okay, I watched this movie twice uh, the day before we were going to record it. The fact that we didn't record either of those days and the fact that those days were last month is beside the point. Yeah. I also watched this the day before we were going to record this the first time. And, the sec and I did it the second and, time as yeah. well. Yeah. And then, yeah, I have not seen it. Yes, it's been like Three weeks since I've seen this movie. Yeah. Uh, but beside the point, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. To our audi, our listeners will hear this one week after we after our ep our episode about Mission Impossible Two, and mm -hmm. they could have been none the wiser if you hadn't just said something. Oh, well, I could always take it out. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's talk about this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> This, uh, yeah, as mentioned before, uh, directed by J.J. Abrams, and it was written by J.J. Abrams and our good friends Alex Kurtzman, who has not been fired, and Roberto Orsi, who would then team up to write uh, the first 
and the second, actually, Star Trek movies, uh, Star Trek 2009 and Star Trek Into Darkness. And if it hadn't been for this movie, that would not have happened. I agree, yeah. Uh, I mean, this was Paramount, you know, saw what that team was able to do with this movie and thought, hey, we have this other franchise that you could breathe new life into as well. Yep. Aren't uh, Kurtzman and Orsi also responsible for the early Transformers movies? I believe so, yes. Yeah, those those aren't good. Ah, uh, the early <laughs> ones are better than the later ones. Low bar. <laughs> Although Bumblebee was actually pretty good. Yes, uh, but that yeah, that's that's a different movie. Yeah, uh, but no, the first Transformers movie I thought was decent. All right, it, at the time, it, it, I I very much enjoyed it in the theater. It's a Michael Bay movie, you know. Yeah, you get you know what I you're like getting with Michael a Michael Bay, Bay movie. Yeah, yeah. So this this movie, uh, Kirsten yeah. and Orsi also did the Mummy, which was ter- well, also with Tom Cruise, which I have not. Oh, seen, the Tom Cruise but Mummy I heard oh. was like just the worst movie ever. I, I have think not that, seen it. Is is that is that movie responsible for the record? And I'm just making up the record because it, who knows, um, the shortest lifespan of a cinematic universe. Because weren't they going to do a whole bunch of almost. Like did, classic yeah. monsters what movies, did we just, but didn't wasn't Dracula Untold also part of that though? So there were at least two. Yes, but they were gonna do like yes, they were gonna the do Wolfman and movies. all that stuff, right? Well, there's two, so they lasted as long as the Star Wars stories. Yeah, then I think that's just because Disney realized that it was better to do TV. Yeah, and uh, I don't think they were wrong. Although I like both of the Star Wars stories. I did. I actually really liked Solo. Yeah. I think Solo is a perfectly entertaining film mm-hmm. that has some really good moments in it. And I kind of wish they would make the sequel that they were clearly setting up in some yes. form or another. But they won't. No. They won't, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, and Kurtzman, Abrams, and Orsi, I believe, uh, all worked on Alias. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where they got their start and together. And mm-hmm. then they also worked on, I think they all three, all three worked on Lost as well. Okay. None of them, I mean, other than Abrams worked on Felicity. I'm not Who knows? sure. That. <laughs> that's another show I never watched, but. Yeah, I never, I don't actually know anything about Felicity. I, I know Carrie Russell's in it. That's about it. Alex Kurtzman wrote Cowboys and Aliens? Well, good for him. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it's such a mixed bag. He also wrote The Legend of Zorro. Oh, God. That was not a good movie. That's that's not the... The Anthony Legend of Zorro is the, it's the sequel. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, not good. <laughs> yeah, no, the Anthony Hopkins film was good. The Anthony Hopkins Antonio Banderas movie was pretty... Fun. Yeah, but that no, but the Legend of Zorro is the Antonio Banderas sequel, which was terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you said he wrote the Mummy, I was like, oh, the why am I blanking on his name? The the fun one. <laughs> yeah, Brendan Fraser. The one. Brendan, yeah, the Brendan Fraser one, and I'm like, well, that's too, that's too. I don't old. even know who directed those, but yes, I enjoyed that one and the the Mummy Returns as well. They were both quite good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Alex Kurtzman. I do not see Felicity on his in his list of credits. Man, okay. he's written some good things and he's written some really bad things, though. Yeah, and he's now employed. He's set solidly employed as the head of all things Star Trek now. So just a bit. He's not. He's not been fired. 
despite what you may have heard online. Yeah, and he probably also hasn't smashed a TV when he heard what a YouTuber said about him. <laughs> I, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, okay, so you, you let off on your notes with saying that the cold open is an interesting choice. And I'm, I'm not sure yeah. whether that that means you don't care for it or it's just an interesting choice from a narrative standpoint. It's an interesting choice from a narrative standpoint yeah. to take us right into the climax of the film. Mm-hmm. as the cold open. It's the sort of thing that you see in TV all the time, but you mm-hmm. don't see it in movies very often. It's, to, to borrow from modern TV, it's very Westworld-esque to me. Yes. Where you see a scene, and I actually... It actually bugs me when it comes back because you find out what you thought was happening wasn't actually happening. And Mm -hmm. it really kind of diminishes what's going on in the scene. I dare anyone to watch this first three minutes of this movie and not want to continue. Because I think it works works in that way. And it's it's weird to me. It's it's one of those unusual things, at least for me, where it works better the first time you see a film. And then it doesn't work anymore as well. Yeah, no, I think that's probably true. Because when you know what's going on, you're just thrown into the situation where Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I think is excellent in this movie as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have never seen a bad Philip Seymour no. Hoffman performance. No. You know, he's uh, pointing a gun at this woman's head that we don't really know who she is, and he's threatening Tom Cruise here, and they're talking about this rabbit's foot thing, and you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Other than that this person's life is in danger i i love the I, I think the the emotional roller coaster that both the actors go on in the scene is really good yes they, they play all these different emotions from yelling at each other to being very quiet and very nervous or, or whatever i mean philip seymour hoffman's not nervous but tom cruise gets a lot of flack i think for acting but i think he does a really good job here in the scene mm-hmm. tom uh, cruise is a good actor yeah i don't I think we've said that every movie except yeah. maybe two um that that yeah but yeah no tom cruise is a very good actor Mm -hmm. and yeah no i think he he does ethan hunt very well which is like why these movies are so successful well i feel like he plays tom cruise Mm -hmm. but he's but he's good at playing tom cruise Mm -hmm. uh one of the because we i have seen bad tom cruise oh yeah yeah absolutely me too uh (laughs) i mean we just watched one last week right yeah but that wasn't his fault Right. <laughs> um, one of, a great line that I remember because we have to talk about Star Trek all the time is uh, in the. I mean, we dire- already have, but sure. Right in the director's commentary of Star Trek Two, uh, mm-hmm. Nicholas Meyer, the director, is talking about the scene where. Which one? The one with just Meyer, or the one with Meyer and Koda? Just Meyer. Okay. Uh, he's talking about filming the scene where. Kirk and Khan are talking and he's about to do the prefix code thing and Kirk says, you know, here it comes and and he had to do multiple takes to get it to come out the way he wanted and at some point he talks about how there's a difference between actors and movie stars and he said an actor is somebody who pretends to be somebody else and a movie star is somebody that pretends that somebody else is them and I think that that's a great way of describing Tom Cruise in these movies. I think he's just oh, yeah. being Tom Cruise. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I've, I've always liked that explanation of, of things, because you can definitely tell there are certain actors out there who just play versions of themselves all the time, and other ones who are really good character actors, like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, like who... no one would call Arnold Schwarzenegger a character actor. No. <laughs> no. 
Yeah, no. Uh, so you get you get the obligatory credits with the you know the Lalo Schifrin theme. Dun. Yep, uh, a good version of it by Michael Giacchino. Mm-hmm. And you get now you have this. Cut. I have also never heard a bad Michael Giacchino score. True, he doesn't write bad scores. No, I mean he definitely. I've definitely heard scores. I have heard some Michael Giacchino scores that aren't that much different from the previous iteration, the previous film in the series that he scored. Are you talking but, about Star Trek Into Darkness? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they're still good. Yeah. I will take... Yeah, because he did he did make, mix it up for uh, Beyond, so... He did, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll take a Michael Giacchino score over several, many others. Um, say, the Hans Zimmer score from last movie. Uh... <laughs> now, if we want to talk about... Uh, musicians that have made scores that sound like their scores they've used in other movies on Zimmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He doesn't do another one in the series, I don't think. Uh, so, I guess Giacchino and Abrams must be, like, yep, really tight, because yeah. I don't know if he scores every Abrams film, but he certainly scores a lot of them. I mean, he's sort of the John Williams does his Spielberg in a way where he yeah. just it brings him in all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he couldn't do it for Star Wars, but although I mean, yeah, Giacchino no, you, did you get to play in the Star Wars universe in Rogue One, but that's true. Yeah, I think pretty much every other, even like Cloverfield, which didn't have much of a score, has a really fun track at the end of it. I can't that, remember any music from Cloverfield. I'll send you the link. It's fun. Okay. It, it's 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 a really long piece, but it's just it's fun and cheesy. It's exactly. When does, it, does it play like when they're when you see the like the compilation of uh, footage at the end? Or you know, I, honestly, I don't remember. Uh, I just know it was on the album. Like I'm trying to picture when you when there could be music in Cloverfield. The only time it could be would be at the end of the over the credits or something. Yeah, when 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 you see like the yeah yeah. But it's been a very long time since I've it, seen it. It was released film, as a but... single, so <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So it must be at the end, okay. But yeah, so you get you know the obligatory theme, and then this cut to this really obnoxiously large party. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you know we find out that uh, Ethan Hunt's engaged to this woman Julia, played by Michelle Monaghan, who I think is perfectly fine in this movie. Yeah, uh, I I'm only honestly really familiar with her from this and uh, Source Code, but I've never seen uh, Source Code. Oh, uh, it's a good movie. I think we talked about that before. Uh, <laughs> her sister gives perhaps the worst engagement toast on ever because she it's like the first thing she says it's sad that our dad's not here, which talk about bringing down the room. Uh, <laughs> so like this is a huge party. They yeah. also have a pretty large house, but it is packed. Mm-hmm. Like, it just makes me, it, my, you know, 2021 self is just nervous seeing all these people close together like that. <laughs> yes! Some, this is a super spreader event. Uh, yeah, exactly. Her, her brother's not vaccinated, I guarantee you. Oh, um, no way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm also thinking, like, like you were saying, he's purportedly a DIA, or a Department of Transportation employee. Mm-hmm. So he works for the federal government. I mean, he still works for the federal government, I'm guessing. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a nurse. How the heck do they afford this house? Well, what level in the federal government is he, you know, 
Could be pretty uh, high up. You, yeah, you, you top out at about $165,000 a year. That's a hell of a lot more than I make. Yes, but... So... I think they live in Virginia. Uh, this is a $2 million house. At least, yes. Yeah. In Virginia, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Outside of outside of D.C., yeah. There, there's no way. And I'm, I'm just being pedantic. I'll be pedantic about D.C. And later, like, too. I would imagine the IMF probably doesn't pay much more than that, either. I mean, even... Well, I, I, would, I would hope Ethan Hunt makes hazard pay. Although... <laughs> although he's now... He's now in... Tra- he's training off... Uh, training agents now he's not even going into the right. field which is part of the plot of the movie mm-hmm. but he's still up on his training like you said with the the lip reading here we're at one yeah we <laughs> have know. Chekhov's ability to read lips here yeah i like the scene when he's talking to the dude about his job at the dot and he thinks it's boring and then the women are like i'd marry him now where can i find these women who think boring jobs are sexy <laughs> <laughs> oh i had to look like tom cruise never mind mm. A nice example of mid two thousands portable phone technology here with uh, <laughs> when he gets a phone call from Billy Crudup on <laughs> saying he's uh, wants to offer him a all expenses paid vacation. Yeah, this is something that um, I thought about at some point last year. I was watching something. I don't uh-huh. even remember what it was now. Uh, it's like anytime. Oh, no, actually, I think it was when we were watching Casino Royale. Uh-huh. Anytime uh, I watch a movie from the from the early two thousands, early to mid two thousands, like mm-hmm. especially mid two thousands, like it feels very modern because, like, especially like post two thousand five, like cinematography, the cinematography is still very similar to what they use today for movies. Yes, uh, and everything looks modern until someone pulls out a cell phone yes. and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean it it's the the change in technology over the course of like 15 years is but amazing. But even not even that though. The change in technology between when this movie came out and like 5 years later. Well, I mean because basi- basically... a movie from a movie from 2010, they would be using smartphones and it wouldn't look weird. They would be different smartphones from when we had today, but they would still they would look like the phones we have today. Right, and, and and not to sound like we're taking a buck from anybody because we're, we're clearly not with, you know, the with this, with the show. Uh, I mean, it's basically pre and post iPhone. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you have, I'm trying Blackberries to think of... And Blackberry and uh, yeah. Palm and Nokia all had smartphone offerings long before the iPhone, but the iPhone is what mass-marketed the I, smartphone. I had a Palm Treo at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, when people pull out their Motorola Razor phone and make a call, yeah, uh, or or here you go, you know, he goes and meets Billy Crudup at Seven Eleven, and he gets a one of those Kodak instant yes. like camera things that you would then mail in, and they would develop the film on it. No, you didn't have to mail it in; you could take it to the. You could actually you could take, take it to a film you could take it to a film place or to seven yeah you would just yeah. take it to the to the pharmacy at your local grocery right. store That's, yeah yeah uh, <laughs> which is a weird thing to think about now that that's where the, you would go to develop you, your you film. get your drugs and your film developed yeah <laughs> uh, yeah uh but anyway like I I'd forgotten that that was like a thing honestly yeah like. 
Those for disposable like, cameras. Well, disposable cameras, but like for like thirty years, like that's where you would get like you would just yeah go to mm-hmm. the pharmacy or that I bet that convenience store is probably like a probably has a pharmacy in it and probably yep. you can probably do it right there. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if Seven Eleven ever had pharmacies, but oh, that's true. Um, yeah. But now I'm you have think- to go across the street to like CVS or something. Now I'm thinking, and I think the movie came out around this time. Uh, really good Robin Williams movie, One Hour Photo. That mm-hmm. I've never seen it, but I'm familiar. People today are gonna be like, "What is this?" <laughs> like I know, right? Film? What is film? Yeah. Uh, but so yeah, disposable cameras do still exist. They have. They still have like certain niche applications. Mm-hmm. Um. Kodak ones certainly don't. Um, well, no. But uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Kodak. Indeed, uh, I still have a Kodak digital camera. Yeah, I haven't used it in years because my <laughs> phone is better than it now. But you know, I still have one. Yep, I do like the idea of this camera being the, what conceals the little, you know, the the obligatory uh, your mission should you choose to accept it recording. And I guess the the gist here is that this agent that he's trying. Yeah, no, I been... like how he looks at holds up and looks into the viewfinder. Yeah, and it does I, a retina I, I scan or that. whatever and yeah. It's not quite as cool as like nothing beats the scene in the first one where he starts smoking to hide the smoke. Yes. Like on the I airplane. love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also something that dates nope. a movie. <laughs> you don't do that anymore. <laughs> Get his weird little scene here where he, you know, he's he's engaged. Now he has to lie to his future wife about his mission. Lie to his wife about going to a last-minute trans- public transportation, transportation conference. Because yeah. <laughs> that's a thing. Because <laughs> one thing the government does really well is last-minute. Yeah, last-minute. No <laughs> one has ever gone to a last-minute uh, no. corporate conference. No. <laughs> Those things get planned years in yep. advance. Yep. <laughs> There's no way he's getting housing at this thing. Yeah. Another thing I like with, with Giacchino, this theme has been used before in the other movies, but I like that mm-hmm. he just full-on brings out what they refer to as the plot theme from the mo- from the TV show as mm-hmm. he drives up in his motorcycle and meets uh, Luther and the bang- and the gang of uh, new people. Yes. Who, who I, I like all of these, you know... Uh, well, I'm glad you like them, but none of them are coming back. No. Just Luther. Yeah. It's next movie that we start to get a cohesive Well, team we get I mean we get Simon Pegg in this movie. Yeah. We do, but he's not really part of the team in No, this movie. he's 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 very much back at home. Yeah, Jonathan yeah, Rhys Myers and Maggie Q don't come back after this movie. No. I mean Maggie Q was in a bunch of movies around this time and mm-hmm. then like I don't know, she Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't think of anything she's been into recent, in recently at all. I can't either. Because she was also in uh, Live Free or Die Hard, which I think came out either the same year or the year after. Yeah. That was not a good movie. I, I forget that that movie exists, actually. They, they stopped it's, after the third one. It was better than uh, A Good Day to Die Hard. Yeah. When they went to PG-13, I kind of, you know. Yeah. John, John McClane is not Well, a Live PG, Free or not... Die Hard is the PG-13 one. They went back to R for, for A for Good Day to good Die Hard. That didn't make it yeah. good. No, but at least they did. He did actually get to say the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a Good Day to Die Hard is not good. Um, I just remember the absurd tagline for it, like when 
on the posters because it was it would it would say Yippie Kaye Mother Russia. Yeah. It's like the like the TV version of Die Hard 2, and he's like, yippee ki Mr. Falcon. Yippee-ki-yay, Melon Farmer. Melon Farmer, yes. <laughs> oh, man. My favorite TV, one of my favorite TV versions of that is the TV version of um, The Big Lebowski. This is what happens yes. when you find a stranger in the Alps. Fi- when, you, when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> There are some movies that just shouldn't be shown on censored television. And yes, <sighs> I, I I also remember in Fargo when they when every time Steve Buscemi How says, "How the hell do you show Fargo?" He's, he, he they change they change the f word to fruit. So okay, but like, no, what about like there's... everything else in that movie? <laughs> no, but you can show a guy being thrown into a wood chipper. You just can't say the f word. Yeah, fair. No, like I, I was watching, I was watching um, Die Hard three on mm-hmm. on Paramount Television, and they bleeped out. Obviously, they bleeped out all the f words. They bleeped out shit multiple times. But then that scene okay. when they're, but that scene when they're breaking into the Federal Reserve, and the woman like takes the scythe out and like slices the guy's neck open. Like that was uncut. Well, that's, well, that's that's <laughs> oh yeah, because you like, can also you can show all kinds of violence like yeah. that. But if there if there were boobs in that movie, they would mm. cut those. Well, they blur out the boobs in the first movie when they show it on TV. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh gosh, there are no boobs in this movie. There are no boobs in this. <laughs> but we do find out that their mission takes them to Berlin, Germany, which is good because I was hoping they would get potato chips in Berlin, Pennsylvania, but. That's East Berlin, Pennsylvania. Is it East Berlin? Okay. Yeah, there is no... There actually is no Berlin, Pennsylvania. Okay. <laughs> it's just East Berlin. <laughs> but there's a Snyder of Berlin, which is not affiliated in any way with Snyder's of Hanover. It's Snyder of East Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because cause Snyder of Hanover is a separate thing. Yes. But so East. But there isn't... Anyway. The wall fell down and came down in 1990. It's not named after that East Berlin. <laughs> Okay, hold on. I I have to look it up now because I <laughs> I, I knew this at one time. Uh-huh. Um, what is East Berlin east of? Okay, no, I'm sorry. There is a Berlin, Pennsylvania. Oh. It's in it's in uh, Somerset County. So when the person who founded East Berlin, Pennsylvania, founded it, he didn't that he didn't know about Berlin, Pennsylvania. Like about oh, it. okay, yeah. So he had to say it was East Berlin because it's east of the original Berlin. Right. So Berlin, Pennsylvania was was settled in 1784 uh, in Somerset County, which that's impressive for that far west. Mm-hmm. Uh, and East Berlin was settled in was settled in 1764. So actually, Berlin Berlin actually uh, t- stole the name. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> But uh, because of that, yeah, in in seven in uh, they they changed the name to East Berlin in 1797. Ah, okay. But Berlin, Pennsylvania, has no claim to fame. Uh, Snyder's is of East Berlin. No, it's just Snyder. There's no. It's Snyder's of Hanover and Snyder of East. Of you are Berlin, correct. You're right. I think. Yeah. 
Having yeah, we we both live in have lived in Pennsylvania, so or grew up in Pennsylvania. I've been to East Berlin. It's you know, it's a small town. I, I've <laughs> been to, I've been to East Berlin too, but that was the one in Germany. <laughs> I have not been to. That. Well, it it was no longer East Berlin, except it really was. It still looked very Soviet. Uh, I have not been to 90s. any part of Germany. Ah. The farthest east I have been is Paris. Oh, okay, I've not been to Paris. It's west of East Berlin. Yes, yes it is. So in Berlin, Germany. Uh, <laughs> yes! <laughs> and it looks like East Berlin. It does. Uh, so I I like this sequence. 41 minutes into the podcast and we're 14 minutes into the Yeah, podcast. there's going to be some editing going on in this one. Um, <laughs> my, my general feeling of this whole opening act of the movie is that it's fun but it mm-hmm. doesn't do anything yes like it is unnecessary it, for the rest of the it, movie. It, it, i mean there are a few things here and there that are important yeah we have chekhov's exploding head thing check che- um, well although I, i'm in my notes i'm like or was that chekhov's exploding head thing from the you know from the cold open oh yeah but so, you don't really know about it in the cold open do you well, he says, I mean, the first words are like, we put an explosive charge in your head. Oh, uh, I suppose that's true, yeah. So, okay. I mean, this whole thing feels like an excuse to give Carrie Russell a role in the movie. And to, like, give Tom Cruise a motive to go after Philip yes. Seymour Hoffman. Yes. Because he's got to, it's got to be personal because he's retired. And, you know, right. He's got to bring right. him out of retirement. That's true. Just when he thought he was out, they pull him back in, you see. Yeah. The Pulp Fiction moment here where he stabs her with adrenaline and now she's fine. Uh, yeah, so, so we spend a good, what, 15 minutes on the seat. Like, they have to go, they, they, they fire a lot of guns, which is kind of atypical for these movies, at least up until this point. Uh, or I it's, should say the first movie, because like, uh, the second one had a lot of guns. episode of Star Trek Picard, where they spend all episode rescuing that guy only to have one of the characters murdered. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, I, I enjoy that episode, but there's a lot about that choice I don't like. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so they, they spend all this time, they, they extract Lindsay Ferris, who's Carrie Russell, out of this factory or whatever, and they find, they find some hard drives, which I guess are useful later. Um, we get a helicopter chase through an interestingly placed uh, wind farm. Yeah. Well, they ha- do have a lot of wind farms in Germany. And and none of this bothers, like, I think the, the action is shot well, uh, and for somebody who's never directed a film before at this point in his career, I think this looks pretty good. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know this was his. Yeah, first. this was his first. Dr- yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he does a really good job. I think mm-hmm. Abrams does a really good job here. I would, I would say that overall, like, I mean, Abrams has also directed some movies that weren't that great, but in overall, <laughs> I'd say, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I don't blame him for that one. Um, well, it's not great, but there's I a don't lot of blame think- to go around. Yeah, he uh, was sort of coming in on that because that was that was only half his movie to begin with. Yeah, um, Colin Trevorrow got fired at one yeah. point. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, there's you know Star Trek Into Darkness, but um, right. Oh, uh, a lens flare. Um, <laughs> but I think overall, he's most most Abrams films are decent. Yeah, and decently directed at least. Mm-hmm. I I will go. I will also say, you know, just to be fair and balanced here, pardon the use of that phrase, uh, most of his movies, with a few exceptions, are, I would say, top out at good. Yeah. 
or they they kind of uh, they have a habit of falling apart. This is not this is not one of them. I think this is one of his better films, and mm-hmm. and I actually I think I may change this opinion in a couple weeks, but I think this is my favorite of the franchise. Okay, it's up there for for sure for me, and I think a lot of that is because of Philip Seymour Hoffman more than anything else. Yeah, but like so we spend. You know, 15 minutes on this giant okay, action... Abrams has directed far fewer movies than I thought he has. When I talk about movies that fall apart, I'm thinking mostly of Super 8. Yeah, no, because the only movies he's directed are Star Wars Episodes 8 and 9, mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness, Super 8, and and uh, this one. Oh. He's directed a bunch of TV, but I guess he's produced movies. a lot. Yeah. Okay. I've actually not seen Super 8. It's fine. <laughs> It's it's J.J. Abrams trying to do a Spielberg movie. Okay. Yeah, no, he, his production credits are very, very... They're very, very extensive, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, you know, they're, they're trying to extract Lindsay here. They get to the helicopter, and her head starts hurting, which I don't quite understand why that would happen. I don't... Yeah, why does the head hurt before it explodes? Yeah. Because that also happens with Tom Cruise, it, then. Yeah. Like I can understand. I feel like this is a. This should be a binary thing. Like, it it's fine, and then it explodes. Well, like I can understand maybe if there's a radio detonator attached to it. So maybe if your brain is receiving the signal from the charge to set off the countdown or whatever, that might do something. Who knows? But that's not a mm-hmm. permanent thing. That's like a quick something, and then it's done. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, she's she's in pain for like a good two minutes here. And then, you know, we're, they come up with this idea, we're going to do a defibrillator to shock it and short it out or whatever. And, you know, like four or three seconds left before she, they can do it, it goes off and she gets killed. Yep. And this whole sequence was for naught. And like you said, I get that it sets up this desire, personal vendetta thing, which actually comes back to bite him in the butt at one point. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of movie to spend to not accomplish anything. Yeah. And I mean, this movie is over two hours long. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they definitely, if, if this movie certainly could, could have been tightened, it would have been this scene, I think. Yeah. Cause I appreciate, you know, we, he goes back, (laughs) we get the scene where he comes home and he's like, it was such a tiring conference and blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. This reminds me of True Lies, actually, when he comes home and, <laughs> and, yes. and his wife's there and or his fiance's there and all that stuff. Uh, <clears throat> oh, wow. We watched True Lies for this podcast. It feels like that was like a lifetime ago at this point. It was a long time ago. Yeah. That'll come out before this movie. But you will have listened to True Lies, hopefully, before listening to this one. I would think so. Yeah. That was one of the first things we did after we finished Bond. Yes. But, you know, it sets up yet another head of the organization here this time it's Lawrence Fishburne being a total dick to them I do like the line it's unacceptable that chocolate makes me fat yes <laughs> um, I like later when Billy Crudup tries to stand up for him and he says don't interrupt me while I'm making asking rhetorical questions <laughs> yeah uh, but he's clearly just here to be a pain in the butt mm-hmm. and also to set up the surprise switcheroo later yeah, because he's got to be a dick so that we think he's the bad guy. But, like, 
some of the things he's being a dick about, like, oh, you should have scanned her before putting her on the helicopter because that explosive device could have killed you every... Like, no. Like, they're, they're being shot at. Yeah. Uh, you know, what are you, what are you complaining about? So we, we get a, we get a uh, shot of Lindsay Ferris's funeral, uh, mm-hmm. complete with a uh, Bruce French sighting as the minister here who has been in umpteen Star Trek episodes. Uh, which I, Indeed. Yep. I mean, he's no Von Armstrong, but... No, no, he's no Von Armstrong, but, I mean, he was in Voyager. He was actually in the episode of Enterprise, the Andorian Incident, that I just recently watched. Uh, I just recently watched that as well. Yeah. And I'm doing a weird alphabetical rewatch of Star Trek. And he was in your, I think, your favorite episode of TNG. He was in The Drumhead. Yes, I think so. Uh, when you said all... favorite episode of TNG, I wasn't sure where you were going with that. Whether th- you were going to be serious or not. No, I think I think I think you've said that is your favorite. <laughs> yeah, no, episode, it is. Yeah? But I yeah. thought I thought maybe you were going to say like you know you know you know your favorite episode of TNG, Force of Nature, <laughs> Code of Honor. <laughs> You're right, exactly. Now he's white, so he wouldn't have been in Code of Honor. Uh, oh. Yeah, Code of Honor's not good. Uh... <laughs> Neither is Force of Nature. Uh, I don't hate Force of Nature. Uh, Lindsay mails him a postcard. Yes, with a dot on the post stamp. I, I don't understand how there's a movie file in that, but okay. You can do that, yeah. It, That's okay. the thing you can do. It's, there's not actually a movie file in it, obviously. No. Uh, I mean, it's just... Is it like the, a QR code or something? Not a QR code. Um, <laughs> okay, so it is like, I mean... What I mean is it's not an electronic thing. It, 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 with a small enough implement to, to mm-hmm. write it, you can put in all of the data that would be in a video file in that, like, write it out as, like, code in that, in, in that dot. That is theoretically possible. Well, so, which makes me think of a press release my office wrote last year about a researcher who, you know, that famous, um, is it kinescope or whatever the thing that you spin around and look through the slot of the that guy on a horse that mm-hmm. they were able to encode that video file into DNA and right then, the same sort of thing yeah and then and in bacteria and then grow it and then re- recover the file afterwards yes so. and this is that sort of thing not mm-hmm. quite as impressive as that but <laughs> <laughs> well this similar. is two thousand and six so right. <laughs> But it's it's basically that sort of that sort of idea. Yeah, with the mm-hmm. microdot, you can encode a lot of information. Like you're you're going microscopic basically to do it, but yeah. you can. But it can be done. Yeah, I'm not sure that you can do it on the back of a postage stamp. I think it would be a little too. When you get down to that scale, I don't think it's going to be a flat surface. Yeah. Um, I want to back up and just point out. Speaking of technologies that don't exist and can't exist, mm-hmm. vascular ID. <laughs> They somehow identify Lindsay through vascular ID through a uh, infrared scan, which that's not a thing. But how do you know? Maybe it might be something only the IMF has. True. The IMF has a lot of things that nobody else has, I've noticed in these movies. Yeah, that International Monetary Fund, they hold on to everything. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think every time I hear it. I know. Here's where we get Simon Pegg for the first time. Yeah, with his Shaun of the Dead era buzz cut yep and he's doing his simon Pegg thing mm-hmm. i enjoy simon Pegg in these movies oh i do too i mean i enjoy simon Pegg in most movies and and watching him 
go through all this techno babble about the anti-god stuff and ever in the rabbit's foot i can mm-hmm. i can see why they cast him as scotty yeah and i'm wondering again uh in much the same way that we were assuming that abrams got the the gig for star trek from this movie do you mm-hmm. think simon Pegg got the gig for star trek from this movie as well because abrams enjoyed working with him it wouldn't surprise me yeah i enjoy simon Pegg a lot mm-hmm. hot fuzz is one of my favorite movies of all oh, time yeah Shaun of the Dead's pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. World's End is okay. Yeah. Is that Edgar, Edgar Wright? Yes. Or, yeah, okay. Uh, so, you know, from all this, in, they were able to get some information off of the hard disks that they recovered, mm-hmm. and they find out that Davian who's, is going to be in the Vatican doing this thing about the rabbit's foot, that they don't quite know what the rabbit's foot is. And this is when... <laughs> the rabbit's they, foot is the weakest part of this movie. You think so? I think so, yes. Okay. It just, it's, I mean, it's a MacGuffin, obviously, but yep. it just, it just seems sort of forced. Mm. See, I really, actually really like the fact that we don't know what it is and never find out what it is. Mm. Okay. I enjoy that. Like, they don't have to explain everything. They just know this is a thing that he's trying to sell to other people, and it's a, it's bad. And that that's all we know about it. I suppose... They went into great detail explaining what the bad thing that was being stolen and sold in the last movie was, and that didn't go so well. So That's true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fair point. This is not Bellerophon and, <laughs> and whatever. Uh, yeah, that was just not a good movie. Although no. I do still want to see the four-hour Wuka. <laughs> it, it's just more slow motion. It's, it's a two-hour <laughs> movie, movie in slow motion. Slow motion. <laughs> So they're going to go after Davian because this, this is like the one time they actually know where he's going to be because they have his information. And mm-hmm. so he has to go and interrupt Jules at her work to be like, oh, another last minute conference that I have to go to. She's extraordinarily trusting in this scene. Yeah. Well, she does. She clearly knows something's point, up. <laughs> she knows something's up and wants him to tell her, but he says that he can't, but she has to trust him. And she says, of course, she trusts him. Right. Which is like, okay. Yeah. I get that, you know, at this point, they obviously have known each other, I hope, have known each other for quite some time if they're mm-hmm. getting married. Yep. Uh, and trust each other. But at the same time, I'm sorry, I would not be like, no, you can't, I, I'm not gonna, I can't just blindly trust you, you need to tell me something. Mm-hmm. Like, Maybe this is why I'm single, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I would not, uh, I would if I were if I were you know engaged to marry Tom Cruise, he would need to tell me more about what was going on. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm not a fan of her. Eventually, just saying, sure, I trust you. I wish you would tell me more, but I trust you. Uh, like, could you imagine having a conversation like that with your wife? No. Yeah. Not not in a way that it would go well. Right. <laughs> And and she even says, like, am I going to be able to ever understand what this is? And he just shakes his head at her, like, I need you to trust me. Yeah, and no, that just doesn't... Yeah. It doesn't... I, I realize they have to make that work for this movie. Right. But it just doesn't really work for me. Right. And and even even though... Like, even the fact that they get married... Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think legitimately she's like, just tell me this isn't bullshit. This is a real thing. Our relationship is important and real to you. And... That's what he decides to go get married at the hospital. Uh, and then they go and make Bula Loop in one of the supply closets. Uh, <laughs> my 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 question here is, I thought she was on a shift. Like, isn't 
doesn't she have patience to look after? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she was able to, like, you know, ask someone to cover for her or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I just watched all 15 seasons of ER recently, and they sneak off to make Boola Loop and supply closets all the time on that show. Yeah, it's true. But they also didn't go out and have a very heartfelt conversation outside and then go in and get married. Like, she's been gone for a while. I mean, stuff like that happened in ER. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> that exact situation, no, but that's very much the sort of thing that would have happened on ER. Yeah, true. <laughs> All right, so now we have to sneak into the Vatican. Yep. We have Ital- in Rome, Italy. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I like how it's like Rome, all caps, Italy. Yeah, place. yeah. Like, I mean, just... They did that with Berlin, too. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the I enjoy the angry Italian <laughs> about yeah, I know. the street. That's yeah. fun. I like the third guy that just inserts himself. Yes. <laughs> And then, like, once he gets it working, they're all like, okay, it's fine. No, no worries. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy that. I like Tom Cruise, or, you know, they said, like, yeah, they, they turn the smoke on, and he's like, I've just pissed off every Italian in, in Italy or in Rome. Meanwhile, Tom Cruise sneaks off to break into the Vatican. This is clever, taking the camera, taking the photo from in front yeah. of the camera to get the exact it's, image. It, it, it's a nice low-tech solution i mean the, the taking the picture You'd is think not they would tick, notice but... that there weren't there are never any cars moving but yeah. you know i mean yeah it's, an, it's a clever solution that said it wouldn't work no because that camera is not able to is not going to be able to focus on something that's half an edge in front of it true it's <laughs> it's too far it's too close yeah yeah uh so it's a cool trick that looks great in a movie would not work in real life Right. Because the camera is designed to focus on things farther away, mm-hmm. because that's what it's, that's what it's doing. That's what cameras yeah. do. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's just going to look like a blur. Yep. Anyway. Am, am I wrong in... Well, also, I don't think that Polaroid has that resolution of an image, but anyway. Uh, Cert- yeah, when you're that close to... No. <laughs> I think this is the only time, at least so far, that they break the fourth wall when he looks at the camera and says, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, think so. Breaking, yeah. Humpty Dumpty sat in the fourth though. wall. Uh, I like his breakaway robe thing that has the priest's yeah. robes underneath it. That That's very, that's very, very James Bond-esque. Bond. Yeah. Very Roger Moore. Yeah. <laughs> well, or, you know, Sean Connery with the white tuxedo. Yeah. Well, I see Roger Moore definitely had a scene just like that, though, where he... Oh, well, Roger Moore had the reversible clothes, too. Yes. And, yeah. Oh, and Live and Let Die, yeah. <laughs> yeah. His reversible suit jacket. Mm-hmm. That was not possible, but... Nope. Yes. <laughs> okay, and then while he's sneaking in from outside, then we've got... Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got... We're, we're breaking in underwater as well. Yep. I love a good heist. Oh, so yeah. So I, I... This whole sequence works for me. Oh, yeah. No, I love this. Yeah. You're going to the catacombs under the... The Vatican, they break in. Shooting the... the little tag thing onto the manhole cover. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all of this is great. Yep. I want more of this in all of the movies. Yeah. And in the next movie, they get to sneak into the Kremlin, so we do have some of that. I mean, it's like, you know, when they break into Langley, they always have a sequence 
like mm-hmm. this. Maggie Q shows up in her Ferrari, or Lamborghini, I should say. Lamborghini. Yes. Yeah. Which, when the first time I was watching this, I was like, oh, that's the worst, like, talk about trying to be a bad spy here. But then I realized, no, they're trying to draw attention to this car. Yeah. So, it, it all works. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, her dress is also clearly designed to, you know. Attract attention? Yeah. Yeah. It, it works. Uh, just a bit. Yeah. I like that we get to see how the masks are made here, where they mm-hmm. take photos of Davian and they're going to build out a mask to impersonate him. And I like the whole, in general, I like that you get to see how this process works. Because in the first movie, you just saw them with masks on and stuff. Um, yeah. You know, they had like the thing that you put on your throat and then he has to read the card later to get all the phonetics. I, yes, I very stuff. much like that. I still yeah. don't think the thing that works putting you in the throat would actually be able to do that. No, but I do but... like the, I do like that. And they do a really good job of cutting, I thought, when he puts the mask on. Mm-hmm. And it must be makeup on Philip Seymour Hoffman, because he puts the mask on and they do a pass behind Ving Rhames, and then I'm guessing it's... But it's still the mask after that, though. But it's a... But... still see Tom Cruise's eyes. Yeah, but... I'm wondering if that's prosthetic on Philip Seymour Hoffman or they're doing some sort of morph here. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it works really well, however yeah. they did it. Yeah. Yeah, and then we've got Maggie Q spilling wine on his shirt. Yep. It's like, no, I always spill red wine on my white custom-made shirt. <laughs> yes. Uh, go and then he sneaks through in the rickety attic, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I like the I like the scene where you see the security guard checking out the checking out the bathroom and Tom Cruise as Philip Seymour well it's Philip Seymour Hoffman but as it's Tom, Tom Cruise Ethan Hunt, yeah Ethan Hunt as uh in wearing the the mask is like hiding in the vent there mm-hmm. I like that no I have a hard time believing that this one security guard would come in while he's coughing waiting for the thing to upload and yes and Jonathan Reese Myers is holding the real Owen Davian behind the door like that yeah he wouldn't notice that anything was going on there it's a pretty but, bad security guard yeah can you smoke in the Vatican I don't know because <laughs> he just walks into the bathroom and lights a cigarette yeah I'm gonna guess no I don't know, maybe you could in 2006. Maybe. You could still smoke in restaurants in Pennsylvania in 2006. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think that was the year that they stopped allowing that. Yeah, I think that, yeah, about there. The Do the old parking over the manhole trick. Mm-hmm. And then blow up the car, and they get away. Yeah, probably the most expensive thing that they did in the whole sequence yeah. is blowing yeah. up that car. And then, yeah, then we get the scene of them speeding away all wearing sunglasses. Yep. And... I find it amusing to see the the smoke coming up from the Vatican because it kind of looks like the Pope just died. (laughs) (laughs) Or they elected a new one, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. And we get this interrogation scene on the airplane. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Because he mentioned the airplane in the cold open, but we didn't know what that was. But yeah, this is intense, where he is almost dropping him from the plane. Mm -hmm. Yep. And he finds out his name because Luther yells it. To tell him to stop, because he's mm-hmm. gone over the edge here. Just a bit. Yeah. Well, it was Philip Seymour Hoffman that went over the edge, but yes. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Emotionally, it was Ethan Hunt. Yes. And this is just, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman is so good at playing, like, the scene earlier before he gets dropped out of the thing where he's just like, I'm going to find your girlfriend, and I'm going to make, I'm going to hurt her, and then I'm going to kill, <laughs> you know, and like, he's just so yes quietly vicious in this movie. I think he's 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 great. Yeah. I, I I actually I mean if I had a critique I would say I wish he was in the movie more. Mhm. 
Oh no, I agree. I, I th- he's just fantastic. He's yeah. If I had to pick it, the best actor in this film, it would definitely yeah. be him. Oh yeah, easily. But I would say that for most of the movie, he's movies he's in. Yeah, that's true. And he he doesn't drop him out of the plane. But now Davian knows his name, which is a problem. And now we get another thing that reminds me a bit of True Lies and or License to Kill, where they're on the, yes, the Florida Key much. Bridge here, uh, taking Davian to prison or whatever, and they get attacked by these helicopters and a drone. The only thing, like, I remember from the trailer, the shot of the missile hitting the car and him getting thrown into the car next to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, that's like one scene that for whatever reason sticks in my head from the trailers when they release the movie. So how did Davian's people, like, find them? I don't know. <laughs> how do they even know to look for them? That's a great question. I mean, at least Sanchez bribed the one guy that was working for the... Oh, for, right. You know. Okay, yeah. Okay. But I, I don't I don't know how Davian got in here. Yeah. Or how they knew I, which truck it was. I forgot about Sanchez. Yeah. But yeah, no, this... Yeah, we, we have the... We, go, we gotta have the fight on the bridge here. Mm-hmm. I, I like the weird, like string cheese that they used to yeah that's the... that's that or that that uh, yeah the silly string or whatever yeah yeah but you know he's davian's escaped as to be expected mm-hmm. i like how tom cruise runs out of bullets right as he flies yes. away you know and that's when he realizes that someone was that he realized he realizes that julian's not safe right or not julian julia julia is not safe yeah <laughs> Here's where I'm going to be pedantic because he's driving on the 395 expressway into DC and then he goes to a hospital in Virginia, which is not the same place, <laughs> but that's okay. Most people wouldn't know that. No, they wouldn't. But also driving from anywhere in DC to Virginia is going to take a while. Yeah, that, that's another problem. I didn't know, you know, that he was going the wrong way or whatever on the road, but I did. But I do know that if you're in DC and you need to, need to get to Northern Virginia, you're not doing it in a couple minutes. No. <laughs> I also don't think there's a such a thing as Virginia Regional Hospital. <laughs> no, there wouldn't be. <laughs> Could you imagine one hospital for the whole state? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe in southwestern Virginia, but not not up in. Does it actually near... say Virginia? Yeah, there, there's hospital? a sign that he, there's a sign he runs past as he's going into the lobby that yeah, says Virginia Regional Hospital. Yeah, Regional Hospital. <laughs> yeah, no, that no. Virginia is a huge state. Yeah. Come on, movie, try harder. <laughs> yeah, just you could even say Northern Virginia Regional yeah. Hospital. I mean, there's still more than one hospital in Northern Virginia. Yes, but that would be better. Yep. But then all these agents converge on Ethan, and mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason, put him in a Hannibal Lecter outfit. Sure, why not? Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne is very weird looking upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I will say they do a good job of setting him up as the villain, even though mm-hmm. you can tell he probably isn't. Yeah. Here's where Billy Crudup lets him go. Yep. It gives him a gives him the means to look. get out of the building, I guess. Yeah, you see his look and you know, and at least hindsight, you realize, yeah, he's definitely setting him up to be the fall guy here. Yep. I like how he's holding down, how he, uh, you know, is, you know, scrambling all their communications by holding down the uh, button. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's clever. And then just puts it in front of the <laughs> boombox. Yeah, Sister Sledge, I think, right? Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Okay. I'm not listening to it. And yeah. It, it's yeah. been it's been a couple weeks. Yeah. Tom Cruise's 
get up at the airport is something. It's a look. Yeah. But it he succeeds in not really looking like Ethan Hunt, which is what he's trying to True. do. True, yeah. And this allows him to go to Shanghai, China, as we were told by the film. Yeah, he's been Shanghai to Shanghai. Mm-hmm. They're meeting up with... Uh, they've been given two hours to... So they get a call from Davian saying, or, or whatever, to say that they have two hours to get the rabbit's foot to them or they're going to kill Julia. So they plan this heist and execute everything in two hours? Sure, why not? Like... That's what they do. Yeah. And you're right, this double building does remind me a bit of Johnny English. <laughs> they don't break into the wrong building this time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But... I am going to call bullshit on all of this, where he swings over the other, the one building to land on the... I like the baseballs, though. The baseballs are fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I enjoy the specifically baseballs. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so... And, way, and, I, and I like, I like the, 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 we've, you know, we've already had a heist in the movie, and we've had... Various other action set pieces. I like that it's just, we see Ethan break into the building, and then a few minutes later he runs out with a rabbit's foot. Yes. Like we don't we don't need to see we how he got it. yet another... Yeah. yeah. He, <laughs> he just has it. Yeah, and then we've got, you know, our car chase. Uh, this part's dumb. A little bit. And, you know, I said in my notes that every J.J. Abrams movie has a dumb action sequence that doesn't need to be in the movie. Uh, I'm thinking Captain Kirk running from the snow monster, and yep. that's this sequence. Like you know, where hey, there's th- an entire featurette on the Blu-ray where he talks about how integral that is to the movie, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just saying there is. All right. <laughs> you could have just ran into a cave and met Spock, but okay. Yep. And you know he 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 gets the rabbit's foot, and he's gonna go to meet Davian. <laughs> And I lick mm-hmm. the line. He, he says... Thanks again. I'll see you back home. Ethan. You know they probably plan to kill you both. And I won't see you back home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, and then, you know, you get the classic... He gets into the car and the guy's like, drink this. And he does, and of course it knocks him out. And and then he wakes up, and here we are at the cold open again. Yep. Oh yeah. So at this point, we know that uh, we know who we know who the bad guy is. Well, we don't know it's Billy Crudup yet. Yeah, we do. We see the. Oh, I guess not. No, we see a conversation, but he doesn't actually say it. Yeah. No, right. Billy okay. Crudup shows up after they shoot the woman. That's right. You're uh, right. Who. Turns out to be the security slash translator lady from the Vatican. Right. Yeah. So we get. So we have this whole scene, and then yeah, and then yes, Billy Crudup shows up. Mm-hmm. We find out that it's complicated. Yeah, and and he was like, we didn't know that it was really the rabbit's foot, and it's not something that you can just open up to check. So we had to put you through this to find out. And my whole thing here is that, you know, we've had three movies in this series so far. Mm-hmm. And every one of them has an IMF agent who's become a bad person. Yep. And it's like, 
do they not do security checks anymore? <laughs> or... <laughs> Are they just handing out top secret clearances? Is there one in the next movie? Oh. Um, actually, so. you know what? I don't think so. Yeah, there is in the one after that, though, I think. Okay. Well, you so have, yes, you have what's his name? Uh, Henry Cavill, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's in a couple movies, but yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or is that the next one? No, no Henry, is, yeah. Henry Cavill's in... He, I know he's in Fallout, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, we've got... We, this does happen a lot. Yeah. And Billy Crudup's mostly worried about being exposed and all that stuff. Also, and... I am laughing so hard at, and when and when the sand settles, our country will do what it does best: clean up infrastructure. Yeah, and I, and I said our country does not do infrastructure until now. Uh, so in two thousand six, we thought we were wrapping up Iraq and Afghanistan. Yes, we did. <laughs> And we thought that we had set up an infrastructure there. <laughs> nope. That did not age well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Both places did not end so happily. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, we get a, That's no, why I'm an, laughing at that line. <laughs> we, we, we get another mid-20th, mid-2000 cell phone. Mm-hmm. And we get Chekhov's uh, Lake Wanaka. Yes, <laughs> and then yeah, he's on the he's on the phone with Benji tracing where he is. Yep, because he manages to break the handcuffs or get out of the handcuffs, and uh, or he he takes uh, Billy Crudup's pen and uses it to pick the handcuffs. And now he's running through Shanghai. Yeah, and we get this one scene where he almost gets run over by a truck. Mm-hmm. So he approaches. An intersection, or like the end of the road, and there's yep. another road there, and a, tr- a giant, and I mean giant dump truck, drives yep. past really fast. And then he immediately turns right, you see the camera pan with him to this crowded, <laughs> narrow alley. There mm-hmm. is no way that truck just came from there. There's people all, there's people standing in the road there. Yeah. That truck did not just drive through there. No, that truck started right off screen. And that truck also probably wouldn't even fit in this alley to begin with. Also, the best part, even beyond that, a second later you see behind him, the alley ends. Yep. There's like a shed and a pile of trash, trash cans, like... Right there, just past the intersection. That truck materialized there and then dematerialized. <laughs> the truck was only there for the brief instant that it passed in front of Ethan Hunt. But again, that's that is Chekhov's truck. Because that sets up what happens later. Wait, I forgot that. No, that sets like it it, it kind of sets up what happens to Davian. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, I'm getting I mean it is. It does make it less ludicrous that that happens, but I also enjoy when he runs into the building, mm-hmm. and it's just these uh, Chinese people sitting at a table, and one of them just points to yep. where he needs to go that way. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then yeah, he's got he fights off the people that were holding his wife. Mm-hmm. Well, tries to. They they start the the charge in his head that they put there. Mm-hmm. So he's now having his headache problems. It's like, good thing his wife's a doctor. Yeah. Uh, she yeah. can bring him back. Well, yeah, I have things to say about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not... You can't... Well, that's not how defibrillators that you can't work. can't actually... No. Yeah, yes. That's 
that's not how defibrillators work. And if you stop someone's heart, there is in no way any guarantee you can bring them back. In fact, you almost certainly can't. Correct. Um, I will say that to go back to Davian, you know, we have this fist fight in the building and they go flying outside into the street. I really like the fact that this just ends all of a sudden. Yeah. That it's not this, they don't drag it out. Like he go, they go out in the street. I question whether a car would clear Tom Cruise, but the, you know, it, it, it reminds me a little bit of the end of speed where they're on top of the I have not subway. Seen speed. Oh gosh. <laughs> we talked about that when we, watched, Oh, right. Right. When we watched uh, spy hard. Hmm. Speed is a better movie. Than Spy Hard? Yeah. That's not saying much. Uh, no, it, like, the, the way he flips over, so Davian's, he's on his back, and Davian's on top of him, so he gets hit with the car. And I like the, I like the little touch of the shoe that lands, even though that wouldn't happen. Yes. But I think that's cute. No, but that's how, that always happens in movies. Yeah. No, I enjoy that. But now, Ethan's trying to find a way to get rid of the charge, and yeah, he electrocutes himself. And, uh, I will say for a trained nurse, uh... Jules' CPR technique is terrible. <laughs> so, okay. That's a lot of current that he put through his body. Yep. That wouldn't just stop his heart. No. That would, like, yeah, toast him. Yeah. Like, you're not coming back from this. No. Y- y- you, yeah, you do that, you die. <laughs> I mean, yeah, most likely. But anyway. What? I, I mean, I don't know what the current is on this electric i mean it's it's the main line into the building so yeah i mean i don't i obviously am not familiar with chinese electrical panels. <laughs> um, yeah but i'm assuming that it's probably at least 100 amps yep and that's that's a lot yeah because it's not the voltage that kills you it's the amps right yeah because the amp for as a gross oversimplification amperage is the amount of actual power there is to the electric to the electricity uh it's that's not quite it but you know mm-hmm. we'll go with that um and i mean he would he would have serious burns if any uh, at least and yeah i'm just saying i have a 200 amp electrical panel yep in the basement of my house mm-hmm. uh if i were to take off the cover of that panel and then like stick my hand in there i would die instantly yeah no i agree and it wouldn't be a, and it would not be a situation where the only thing that killed me was that my heart stopped. It would be a situation where that current would go the whole way through my body and like destroy parts of my body. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just it. It wouldn't be a situation where you could just revive someone after that. Anyway, so I'm I'm reading just because why not? People have mm-hmm. these websites and you know. Essentially, you can be electrocuted by 100 to 300 milliamps. Yeah. So, yeah, the 200 amp service in your house is, what, a thousand times that? (laughs) Yep. So, yeah. No, it would kill you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the electric chair used less than that, I think. Uh... (laughs) Yes. But um, I'm I'm sure everyone's going to be surprised to know that Tom Cruise doesn't die. Uh, <laughs> well, technically he dies and then is brought back. Electric chair is seven and a half amps. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. <laughs> but 
when when you use. I mean, it's two thousand volts at seven amps. Right. So right, it's right, you right. know that's that's still that's still that's actually probably more than I would get through my yeah. you know from my uh because remember when I said amperage for amperage, the amperage and the voltage come together to make the wattage and mm-hmm. then that's yeah it's all. It's all one of those things where I like kind of understand it, but don't fully understand. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, because the obviously to my house it's only a hundred twenty volts at yep two right. at two hundred amps, so that's you know not quite as strong, but it would still kill you. Yeah. Uh, so you know she eventually resorts to the uh, uh, Doctor McCoy reviving Chancellor Gorkon technique, where she just starts pounding his chest with a fist and mm-hmm. then she like then you know even if he did survive he certainly wouldn't hop up immediately and grab a gun and start looking for someone to shoot right <laughs> like he's not fine at this point he's not getting up and walking away in the streets of shanghai with the rabbit's foot it's like it's like that scene in casino royale after he takes yeah after he shocks himself back and he's like and now fight a hospital yep he's like, like no yes, i'm gonna I'll go play right cards yeah. She's finally like, are you going to finally tell me what's going on here? <laughs> and, uh, I will say that I am, you know, spoilers for next week. I'm kind of bummed out about where this relationship ends up. Um, but we'll talk about that next I week. I feel like... I mean, it makes sense. On, based on what happens in the end of Fallout, I think that it will... They will have a, a happy ending at some point. Okay. I'm just saying things seem pretty amicable between them by the end of Fallout. Oh, I mean they're not they're not uh, estranged, right? Um, but you know what I'm, what I'm yeah. because I mean, I mean you've seen Fallout, so it's not yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> this isn't a spoiler. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think eventually when the series eventually when the series eventually ends, I think we will see that they mm-hmm. are you know together. Yeah, I mean. But I mean, for for this movie, I mean, we're basically at the end. They they go, they leave Shanghai. They go back to IMF headquarters. You know, Brassel makes up with Ethan Hunt, and then they, he and Jules walk off, and yeah, happy and you know going on. But then we and then we find out in the beginning of the next movie that they're no longer together. And I mean, that becomes a whole plot thing that we'll talk about next week. But uh, yes, and, and and stuff. But um, but that's the end of this movie, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it's it's a fun one. It's it it's it's certainly top tier Mission Impossible. I will admit I haven't seen Rogue Nation in years. Okay. So it'll be very interesting when I watch that one to to remember. I I don't remember much of it at all, other than you know I think if I remember the right, the opera scene. Fall yeah, that and like I know Fallout is almost a direct sequel to it. Uh, yes. Which is unusual for these. Mm-hmm. Um. And my understanding is the next one is another sequel. Building on that. Yeah. Well, yeah. once Christopher McQuarrie took over, I think it's one continuous story, right? Right. I believe so. Yeah. Because I remember when you know when Ghost Protocol was announced and everything, I'm like directed by the guy that did The Incredibles and Ratatouille. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, Brad Bird. All right. But <laughs> for somebody who's used to directing cartoons i think he does a heck of a job in that movie but that's next week uh so yeah yeah i I, i'm with you i think this is if not my favorite it's top three 
which is yeah. you know top half. But um, uh, I, I really like the first one, and this one I I really enjoyed Ghost Protocol when I watched it, and uh, Fallout's pretty good too, I think. So. Oh no, we 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 have already watched the we bad have one. already <laughs> seen the bad one, and we will not. Yeah, it, it's all decent from here. Yeah. But they're already very different movies from the first one. Yes, and they will continue to be very different yeah, movies from the yeah, first one. Yeah, I would have liked to see J.J. Abrams get another shot making one, but I'm not sorry about what we ended up getting either, so... Right. You know. All right, well, thank you for listening to us this week. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel, or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. You can find me on Twitter at Listening to Film. Do you have any other any final thoughts on this movie before we wrap it up? But no, I think we've covered most of it. All right. So, uh, License of Spiel will return next week with Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Mm-hmm.